Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here today with Mike Jewell, my good friend and uh, fellow staff member here at Silver Birch Ranch. We're a couple older guys, so today I'm the younger guy. But not you by, are. You know, yes, you are. Uh, not by much, though. Not by much. So we're about the same age. But I thought, you know, Mike, we should have a discussion on greed. And the reason I want to do that is because I think that the church in America today doesn't talk about greed. They just don't do it. Right. So right. I, and, until you def- right. uh, define something, you can't deal with it. And I have yet to find anyone that really says, here's exactly what greed is. So do you know what exactly greed is? Yep, I don't have a definite answer. I mean, it's, it's misuse of the funds that uh, God has given you is how I would define it. Uh, so you use it for self, self-absorption, uh, where it's all about you, and you, you, the money is, is, uh, becomes your money instead of God's money. And I really believe that that's kind of the root cause of, of, uh, of greed in, uh, in, the Uni- in the United States right now. It's our money. You know, it's not God's. So <clears throat> you look at life then completely different uh, when, when you get some money in. And lo and behold, um, you know, how do you want to spend that money? Yes, you got to take care of your family. You got to do uh, you, certain things you got to do, you know, pay the utility bills, uh, whatever it, it, that is. But that, that other excess money, then how are you spending it for the kingdom? So it's easy to say I must use up all my money uh, for my own personal expenses. I don't have anything left over for the kingdom. Where really it should be, here, what do I have to pay for the, what do I want to do for the kingdom first, and then live off the rest of the money that, uh, that we have to, uh, that if we've been given. So really it's, a, it's an issue of how do you, uh, um, you know, how do you prioritize uh, what your spending is? Yeah, you know, I find it interesting. So let me just go through some dilemmas I have. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm a dilemma guy, and then I like to solve them. Uh, you know, the Bible makes it clear from the Old Testament all the way through we don't covet. Mm-hmm. Coveting is looking at what somebody else has and saying, I want that for me. Right, right. Okay, that seems to be the basis of greed. You know, regardless, I want it for me. Yep. And and really not being happy for somebody else who has a lot because they have a lot and I don't have a lot, so I'm not even happy for them. In fact, if the rich people had a problem, good. Right. You know, I, right. That's I, 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 I see what you're saying, yeah. yeah. You know, even at, my, even at my dad's funeral, I had one guy come up to me and say, well, finally you understand the pain that all of us have because your family's been so solid now your dad's dead and you need to deal with it so it, it almost sounded like he was happy oh yeah and i thought huh yeah i mean i'm my dad's dead i'm at a funeral and this guy's telling me now you can know what the rest of us feel like and i'm sitting there thinking what's your point yeah, yeah. that wasn't very comforting or anything it was like a a, a covet thing i i covet the fact that you like your dad. I covet the fact that you get along. I covet the fact that maybe mm-hmm. he was an ideal to them, right. an ideal parent. You know, every parent is sinful, so I could tell you otherwise. But bottom line really is I found that comment weird. Hmm. Hmm. I think covet, covetous behavior can just be so destructive. Well, I think when you look at the, you know, coveting, I'll, I'll kind of, you know, jump off of your, your statement there because – 
<clears throat> you look at money and throughout the scripture, you know, it's used in different ways. I mean, in the Old Testament times is how, right. many, how many cattle on the hills do you have, you know, right. and you go through the whole thing and, and what it really is. So it, it really takes its value is, is different in different ways. But isn't it really that money is just a tool? Yeah. Just a tool that God gives us to use for developing the kingdom. Right. And you and I working in the nonprofit world here, I mean, we that's how we view it. I mean, this is God God blesses us with a donation or or um uh the camping fees that go through the camp here at Silver Birch, whatever it is, <clears throat> that money that comes in is to be used as a tool to bring others into the kingdom. Right. To to bring the gospel forward, to to mentor people, to build up students uh, through our MBI program to uh, to help, uh, you know, foster kids in our in our foster care program. You look at all these different things. It's a tool that is used. And then you get away from all the being coveted, right. that, that you're coveting that money. Uh, you just look at it and go, hey, here we got. We could go out and we can do something else now. Yeah. And away you go. Yeah, I think, I think coveting is a hard thing to recognize, but I would encourage our listeners, when something really good happens to somebody else, if you can honestly rejoice in that and not think, why not me? Yes. You're, yeah. you're well into that understanding. Mm-hmm. But if you're, one of your first thoughts is, mm, why not me? That person gets this and they didn't deserve it. Then I think what you're, you're, you're crossing that line. Now, you may still act appropriately, but it's the coveting that's going to get you into trouble. When you read the Sermon on the Mount, one of the interesting things is Jesus you know, goes through and eventually he says, you know, things like, yeah, I know that you know that adultery is wrong, but it's lust. See, it's what right. leads you. It's what leads you to adultery. Mm-hmm. If you never get led to adultery, you won't commit adultery. Mm-hmm. Okay, so hating what leads you there is just as important as hating the sin. So, you know, likewise, you know, other areas of life, you know, when you covet, what does that do? That leads you to being dissatisfied with your income. Sure. And the Apostle Paul teaches us that we need to learn to be satisfied in whatever condition we're in. Be content. Yes. Yeah. I had a a young man come to me the other day and he was talking about he wanted to be a pastor. And this was his viewpoint. I need to go to business school because, you know, this is a business, this church stuff. And. I, I have a whole business plan for it. I'm going to charge people um, membership fees to be a part of every, you know, they, they pay monthly and they could be a part of the church. And, and that way we can pay the bills for all the people I want and the pastors. And, and I stopped him. I said, don't do that. He goes, yeah, but, you know, the church, I said, don't be a pastor. Don't, don't, ah. don't be a pastor. That's not what pastors do. Right, right. I said, he said, so, you know, what, what do you mean? I said, how much do you think a pastor should get paid? Oh, a lot. Yeah, okay. Um, let's, I'll back the bus up here. Yeah, I think you hit the key right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, here's what I think. Now, call me archaic if you want, but if I'm going to be a pastor at a church somewhere, and, and I'm, that's not my calling, so I'm not, so it's right. theoretical, but if I was going to be a pastor somewhere, what I should do so that I could relate to the people is get the average salary of the people in the church. So I would want to know the average of the church. And then I would want my salary right there in the middle. Right. I then can relate to everybody in the church. 
I can relate. Those who are a little poorer, well, they are. They're a little poorer. Those who are a little richer, they're a little richer. But but in a, in a general way, I can relate to everyone. Um, I was reading about a missionary who is very um, prolific talking about this. And he said, yeah, if you go to a village and they make $30 a month, you should make $30 a month. Mm-hmm. Don't come in here with that American money and start making Because people start seeing Christianity totally different then. You need to live in the context of the people you're with. Yeah, if you live and you're ministering to professional football players who make 18 gazillion dollars, okay, I get it. If you're ministering in L.A. at a church, you know, I get it. That's a different salary than if you're ministering in a small rural church in Georgia. You know, I, I get it. But but in the meantime, what you got to understand is money is a tool, like you said. Right. It isn't, right. you know, and, and then what really shocked this young man when I was talking to him I said, besides that, the Bible's clear that if you treat poor people differently than rich, that's a sin. He goes, no. Wow. He said, where's the Bible yep. say that? I said, when, when the story was told of the rich man that came in, and you put him in the front, and you put the poor man in the back, it's described as evil. It's described as a sin. You do not treat people according to what you can get from them. That's not how you treat anybody. You treat people according to how God would want you to represent them. That's what you do. Mm. And as a pastor, that's what you're guarding. That's what you're doing. It's not about money. It's not about a business plan. It's about loving God, loving the people, and living in a way that doesn't set up barriers to them. You know, I, I am totally against personally... Some might say, well, what about their responsibility or whatever? I'm against, you know, paying pastors more than the average in the church. Sure. And, sure. Th- and that's why. It isn't because they don't, well, you know how hard they work? I do. My dad was a pastor, and my brother's a pastor. I've had pastors in my family. I understand it. I still think you need to relate to the people. And that's why you're a pastor in the first place. This isn't a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you struggle with the business side, go get a business guy to run that side. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and let yourself run the other side of it where you're doing what you know you need to do. So, you know, I don't know. I think I think sometimes one of the phrases I use a lot, and you've heard me say it, Mike, is I think we get confused and we start loving what we should use and using what we should love. Yes, correct. Yep. God gave us money, and he gave it to us to use. Right. And when we love it, we are distorting life. Yep, it's uh, kind of interesting because uh, your your words bring me back to a you know to a church I was in before, and it was so funny because we lived uh, the church was right on a major highway, interstate highway, and uh, all the you know you would get these people just coming off the highway, come in, come to the church and want money for a meal. You know they'd say they'd need meal, they'd need gas, they'd need whatever it is, and it was so funny because the pastor wouldn't give them any money. Uh, but he says, here's a business card for the diner down the road. Uh, give him this card. Uh, get what you want, and uh, and I'll go ahead and, you know, we'll pay the bill. Well, it turns out nobody would go down to the diner because that's not what they wanted. Right. They wanted the money. <laughs> okay. Right. So the, the whole pretense of, the, of, their, of their ask was wrong. It was a lie. And they were asking for, they wanted to get money, but they're using a lie to get it. Yeah. 
And you see that throughout, um, you know, our, our world, people using different ways to get, um, to get money for themselves instead of really using money to, uh, to help the ministry that, that you uh, right. God, and to help God, the people, yeah. Right, that God's laid on your heart. And that, that's really what it comes down to at the end. And uh, it's, so, it's so satisfying to see people who just give uh, because they love what you do. Yeah. They love the ministry, and they just give on behalf, on behalf of that. And uh, that is a neat, neat thing because it really humbles you because they believe in you. Yeah. And uh, that's where relationships form. And, uh, and yes, you thank them for their gift, but, but really goes more than that. It really goes into these dear people are, are saying, I want to help build the kingdom with you. And there's nothing more satisfying for a, a guy in my position here at Silver Birch to be able to sit back and watch that bunny come in. And you've seen, you, you've seen me when we've oh, yeah. got, got a major gift. I'm just, I'm just dumbfounded. Yep. Once again, oh, God just did it again through another family. And uh, lo and behold, this gift comes in, and you just sit back. And you just, you, you just, you're just humbled. Yeah. At what well, God you know, does. it's amazing. I'm starting my 55th summer as we do this program, and and uh, we lose money every summer. We lose money every year. That's right. If we, we do. lose money in every camper that comes, and we're still here, and we're out of debt, and God is taking yep. care of us. He supplies us with a staff who loves the mission. He supplies us with what we need. I don't think, as I look at my life, I've been here for over 40 years. And, uh, and and the ministry has uh, sustained my life here with the finances mm-hmm. and whatever. And I don't think I'm suffering. I don't think so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, and, and it, it's not that I'm paid excessively well. I, it's just I'm, I'm fine. I've been taken care of. You know, I think that's one of the, you know, we talk about coveting. Okay, that's something you got to get a grip right. of, right. obviously. And, and, and I can't judge someone. I can't judge your heart on coveting. Mm-hmm. You know, because normally it's a silent process that right. you, you personally need to be convicted by and, and by God. And if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you will be convicted from your coveting. But I guess if you're listening to the Holy Spirit, you would give away your money, too, when he tells you. So I, I don't know if that's yeah. a problem. But the, the other thing I, I've always wondered is if people will go back and say, you know, God has promised to uh, supply my needs. Okay, well, what are they? Mm-hmm. And then there's silence again. Yeah, you if you can't define your needs, and you're asking God to meet them, what are they? Yep. I mean, okay, let's look at our culture. You need a roof over your head. Do you need one twelve hundred square feet? Do you need one twenty four hundred square feet? Do you need one eighty four hundred square feet? I have no idea. What is what is it that you yep. need? That's right. And all of a sudden, it's like foggy again to people it's like well you know i need a you know i need i'm just wondering what it is now the funny thing is i can talk you know out of both sides of my mouth sometimes because i can say you know what god also loves as any father to bless his children he does he was going to put them in a promised land that had flowing with milk and honey obviously more milk and honey than they would need yes so it's not against god to show his abundance with us either but greed is always wrong so you know it's kind of like a kid you have grandkids and children oh sure and when you give them a gift when they love the gift more than you (laughs) 
You feel That's like right. a failure. That's right. That's like, right. Remember who gave you that? Yeah. Yeah, but you love the knife now or the gun or the, you know, the target or the arrow or the, I'm, we're hungry, right. so I'm, that's why I'm using those examples. But it's like, no, you're you're over there caressing that and ignoring me. Yep, yep. No, you're right. Cause it's kind of interesting what, what giving, uh, when you look at the heart of a person and uh, and how they give and where they give and the reasons they give is really the key. We get down right. to the reason underneath the old end. Uh, I'll give you a story, quick story of, uh, of um, I used to live in the Minneapolis area when I was in the corporate world, and uh, <clears throat> they have these huge, big churches up there, and so they brought in this pastor, uh, famous pastor in Vietnam, and they brought him over to this church, and the church had the idea, we're going to help this pastor uh, with his mission over in Vietnam, and uh, <clears throat> so the pastor flies into the United States, gets off at the airport, and these guys meet him at the airport, and he's just dressed in shabby clothes. Shabby, just, you know, worn out, uh, you know, and they're thinking, oh, my gosh, you, you know, do you have anything to bring with you to speak, you know, and for us and at, at the church service and our, our weekend uh, events? And, and I said, no, no, this is what I'm going to, you know, wear. So they decided themselves, these two business guys that belong to the church, We'll take him downtown to the tailor. We'll get him the tailor to give him a suit and get him all messed up, uh, you know, fixed up from the for the suit, and uh, get him get him uh, settled so he can, he can speak. So they they got him all measured up, <clears throat> bought him a suit, gives him the suit, and says this is yours to keep. He walks. They walk out of the tailor in downtown Minneapolis and over across the street. Here's the homeless guy sitting there. So what does this pastor do? Go straight over to the homeless guy, gives him the suit. <laughs> and the, so the guys at the church go, what'd you do? You know, we just, you gave the suit away, you know, type of thing. And he's saying, well, you told me it was mine. Yeah. Yeah, I could do that, right? And he says, he says, I'll, I'll speak in what I've got. But he says, I, he needed clothes more than I did. Right. And that was the reasoning behind it and uh, that he gave that away. <clears throat> we can do the same things, you know, in our in our lives. Look to what we can give away. Look to what can be can be, uh, you know, um, as they sacrifice from our own lives and given away. And I, I can guarantee you, uh, as you give stuff away, um, you know, either you don't miss it yeah. or, or secondly, God resupplies it. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting, again, because I think if you really trust God to meet your needs, and again, that's something you can define. I did that one time. I put a piece of paper out, and I put a line down, and I said, here's things that I think are legitimate that I could want. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not sinful, and I could use them. But here's my needs. The need list was extremely short. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, what do you need to actually live and survive and, and be t so that you can make it to tomorrow? Well, then anything more than that is excess. Now, again, I already said, God may want you in the promised land. I understand that. But what do you need if you haven't ever identified it and you're asking God to meet your needs? I mean, you might say I need a car, and in our culture you do. But what kind of car? Yes. And yep. are you going to take care of what you get? You know, you may need a house. What kind of house? Yep. Once again, I, I think the Holy Spirit can guide and lead and, and direct. 
but um, with so much media and that kind of thing, there's a lot of coveting that goes on. There's a lot of excess that just becomes normal, mm -hmm. you know, but what is excess? And then what happens is we get in the mind frame even of giving to people and places from our excess and thinking we're generous. Yes, yes. Well, are we generous if we only give away what we don't want or need anyway? Right, right. That's a very good point because <coughs> when you give out of your out of your um abundance uh, uh, abundance right that's one thing but, but the opposite of that if you give out of your your uh, general operating uh, let's say revenues that you that you need to that you get coming in that you feed your family with that you do all those types of things <clears throat> i think that's really where god steps up and uh and uh and supplies that need that's going on I know of a young another story, you know, of a young of a young family um, <clears throat> in my hometown, and uh, my dad was telling me this that, you know, come Christmas time, and and uh, I remember my dad, you know, my mom buying this turkey and a, and a ham and all this stuff for the Christmas dinner, and and but my dad knew this guy, and he says, you know, I bet, I bet uh, he doesn't have a, much for dinner. For for Christmas dinner, so he just took the one of the just took the turkey, <laughs> you know. <laughs> mom's going, mom's sitting there going, oh, you know, that's for that's for our Christmas dinner. He says we don't we can we can live off the ham, <laughs> yeah, type of thing. So he just took the turkey and uh, some other things that she was preparing, and just took it over to his family, and uh, and just gave it to him and said, here, you have have a Christmas dinner. Yeah. And I remember the 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 reaction that that man had with my dad, uh, he took him outside and he just wept, just wept uh, because they had nothing. And dad didn't know how bad it was. But uh, lo and behold, I mean, he, dad gave out of his, you know, right. uh, what the plan was or what, I don't know how to explain it, but right. the, 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 the daily, absolutely the, the daily operating funds that he was going to do and gave that away. And we already had plenty of, so ham. you didn't miss it. You don't look like you missed it. At, <coughs> no, at I did. Point, so. Yeah, that's right. I, yeah. Miss, I didn't miss that meal. <laughs> yeah. No, don't but, write me and tell me I was cruel. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you see what I mean, yeah. though. But uh, just to give away with what you already have. Right. And, and by, you know, you, you, we didn't miss that meal, that turkey at all. No. Didn't miss it at all. What? So that, that's the whole point behind giving. It's like there's the need. You just fill it. And God lays it on your head on your 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 mind or your right. head to do it you just do it and uh and god will take care of the rest oh he does you know the parable of the rich fool which is in luke chapter 12 uh, 13th verse it's all really about coveting it, 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 13th verse says someone in the crowd said to him teacher tell my brothers to divide the inheritance with me you know they got yes. it i want it make sure i get it yep. make sure i get my due but he said to him man who has made me a judge and arbitrator over you and he said to them take care let be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. Then he told him the parable of a man. He goes and he says, the land of a rich man produced plentiful. In other words, this man actually had more than he needed. Right, right. The, the man that he's talking about, had, when he worked, he made more than he actually needed, needed. for his right. life. And what did he do with the excess? This sounds like the American dream guy, actually. Mm -hmm. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. I have so much abundance. 
so much that I don't even know what to do with it. Okay? And he said, oh, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, God's response to this man isn't, oh, great responsibility you are. But God said to him, verse 20, fool. Yep. So he calls yep. this guy fool. Yep. Now, I look at that and I think, wait a minute. Did this guy just accomplish the American dream and God call him a fool? <laughs> you know, no, I, is, that, is that true? Now, it, you know, it, once again, this gets me in trouble sometimes, I think, but I, not, not real trouble. I mean, how dare we talk about this and call it an American dream? And, and we're talking about, you know, how, are you judging that me using my money for retirement is wrong? I, I'm not. I'm, what I'm saying is that God called this guy a fool for some reason. He called him a fool most likely because he was now thinking that his resources were all about him. And, yeah. and he wouldn't have to answer to anyone anymore. And he could just live his life the way he wanted to. His resources became about him. They became what he loved and not what he used. But, but didn't his resources separate him from God then? Separate him from everything. That's right. I mean, he no longer was he reliant on God. And there's no no scarier place to be, right. I believe, away from God's re, you know, reliance on God yeah. for, for things in your life. Yeah. You know, you, you know it. he's the guy that, uh, that uh, supplied it all to begin with. Yeah. And so then you move, say, no, I did it by, my, by myself. Well, that's just the essence of pride and foolishness. Than in your own heart, you know, and I, and I don't mm. know. I I mean, actually, being part of the United States of America, I do not know what excess looks like. Yeah, it, I mean, I, people might be fainting us. Oh, excess! No, I, <laughs> the problem is, you know, I I understand. My mom, we had to have an assisted living place. I understand what that costs. I don't mm. know if I'm going to need that one day. Right. Right. God does. That's why you want to be listening to the Spirit of God in your heart. You want to be listening to what he tells you because, you know, if I live to be 150 years old, I'll probably need assistance. Mm -hmm. And God knows that already. And, and he's going to provide for it if I'm going to live that long. That's the deal. Yeah. I think a, a good part about that is if it takes you away, anything that takes you away from, from your relationship with God, if money does that, Using it for the wrong purposes, right? But if you if you rely on him, uh, lo and behold, um, boy, you're gonna you're growing your in your uh, relationship with him, and your own spiritual walk. Uh, if if you have your reliance on him, yeah. Well, whenever I've been asked, uh, whether it be on a board level or individual level, how much money should we have, my answer is always the same. So it's I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> However, I will tell you that if you trust your money, then that's wrong. So however much you have, if you don't trust it and you trust God, I think you'll be fine. But there is an art, if you want to call it, to people who actually have resources but don't trust them. Yep. And that's where we all have to be if we love God and we want to walk with him. We need to get to the point where we see money, as you started the program with, as a tool and not as something we love, not as something that controls us. Yep. I'm Dave Wager, and we're here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. There's a program called Younger Older. If you stick around, Mike and I will do another half here in a little bit. 
We so appreciate that uh, you spent time listening. Lord bless you. Talk to you again soon.